We've just published the book, The Adventures of Lola Badiola. It's the perfect complement for this podcast. It includes complete transcripts, explanations, and quizzes. So buy it now on Amazon. Hello and welcome back to The Adventures of Lola Badiola. In the last two chapters, Lola's life started moving in the right direction. On the professional side, she booked a meeting with the IT procurement manager at Banco Cantabria. On the personal side, she met with the man from the Red Bull Racing Team. In this chapter, we are going to find out what happens next in both parts of her life. So, without any further delay, let's get back to the story. The Adventures of Lola Badiola Chapter 21 Banco Cantabrico Lola walked up to the entrance of the Banca Cantabrico headquarters in La Moraleja, located 15 kilometers north of the center of Madrid. It was known as the Financial Campus, a vast complex of low-rise offices within a gated community that also included a gym, a nursery and a golf course for the employees. Surrounding the buildings were acres of gardens filled with ancient olive trees, some as old as 1,500 years. Surrounding the gardens was a three-metre security fence that kept unwanted visitors out and reluctant employees within. The financial campus was opened in 2004 by the legendary Spanish banker Ernesto Nueno. At the time, it was a revolution in the way big companies looked after their employees, bringing more than 90% of the Banco Cantabrico departments together in one big productive paradise, although some employees saw it more as a luxurious prison than a place to work. Lola reached the security guards at the entrance of the complex and gave them her name, telling them she was there to meet Fernando Roma, the IT procurement manager. Wait here, said one of the guards as he called reception to announce her arrival. Lola had never been more prepared for a sales pitch in her life. She had spent all Saturdays struggling with her presentation, writing, reviewing and practicing it until everything was perfect. She knew all the technical features and benefits of the JBlock software, and she also knew the potential weaknesses and problems of the software that Banco Cantabrico was currently using. After all, it was supplied by Texpania, her previous employer. Furthermore, she had an excellent working relationship with Fernando Roma. She knew his fears and desires, both personally and professionally. They had spent many afternoons at his favourite Argentinian grill in Chueca. She had closed several deals with him over a medium-rare sirloin steak and a bottle of Ribera del Duero. She was confident that she could convince him to do a trial run of JBlock software. After five minutes waiting at the entrance, Lola asked the security guard to check that Fernando had received the notification, and for a moment her mind wandered back to the events of the previous weekend, the lunch, the paella, and the elevator ride. She had sat next to Mr. Red Bull throughout the lunch, 
For three hours they had talked, laughed, and told each other secrets. From time to time they joined in the debates of the others, but most of the time they were in their own little bubble, having a lunch within a lunch. Mr. Red Bull had a flight to catch with his Formula One team early the next morning, so he was the first to leave the party. But he asked Lola to accompany him downstairs while he waited for the taxi. As they rode the elevator down from the fifth floor, he gently took hold of her hand. He guided it to the emergency stop button, and then he let it hover there. His eyes were bright and questioning, his pupils dilated. The elevator slowly but inexorably descended. It passed the third floor, then the second floor, and then somewhere between the first and ground floor, Lola pressed the button, and the elevator came to a sudden stop. They stood for a moment in the silence that followed, and then, like two professional dancers reaching the end of their dance, they fell into each other's arms. Their lips touched, and for the first time in months, Lola was living in the moment, blissfully unaware of anything other than the sweet sensation of Mr. Red Bull's kiss. Lola! The voice of Fernando Roma brought her back to the present. Fernando, how are you? she said with genuine delight at seeing her old friend. She walked forward to pass through the Banco Cantabrico security gate, but the barrier didn't open for her. Uh, Listen, Lola, I'm really sorry, but you can't come in. Lola stopped in surprise. Oh, she said, assuming there must be some rational reason like a fire drill that prevented the meeting going ahead in Fernando's office. No problem, Lola continued enthusiastically. We can have our meeting at one of the restaurants in La Plaza de la Moraleja. Is there an Argentinian grill there? Fernando didn't smile. In fact, he had a grim expression on his face. Lola, there isn't going to be a meeting. What? Have I come on the wrong day? There isn't going to be a meeting today or any other day. In fact, I shouldn't be speaking to you at all. Why? What's going on, Fernando? I'm sorry, Lola, I really am, but I have to go. Fernando turned around and headed back past the 1,500-year-old olive trees that lined the walkways of the office complex. With him went Lola's plans of closing a deal with Banco Cantabrico and proving herself to her new colleagues at J-Block. She was left standing alone on the wrong side of the security fence, an unwanted visitor at the financial campus, wondering what the hell had just happened. What do you think has happened? Why has Fernando Roma cancelled the meeting with Lola? We will find out in a future chapter. But right now, let's start off our analysis with a grammar point. Something that we've seen before. In fact, it surprises me how often this grammar point appears in the story. I am talking about compound number adjectives. Here is the first example. Surrounding the gardens was a three-metre security fence that kept unwanted visitors out and reluctant employees within. And here is the second example. Fernando turned around and headed back past the 1,500-year-old olive trees that lined the walkways of the office complex. A three-metre security fence. Not a three-metres security fence. 
1,500-year-old olive trees, not 1,500-years-old olive trees. Remember, we do not express compound number adjectives in the plural. There is no S at the end of the phrase. So let's practice. Are you ready? A meeting that lasts 10 minutes is a 10-minute meeting. A journey of 200 kilometers is a 200-kilometer journey. A turkey that weighs 8 kilograms is a It's an 8-kilogram turkey. So there you go. Be careful with compound number adjectives. High, intermediate and advanced speakers often make this little mistake. Try to avoid it. Now, it's clear in the story that both Lola and her client, Fernando Roma, like to eat Argentinian steak. Now, be careful with your pronunciation of this word. It is spelt S-T-E-A-K, but it is not pronounced steak. It is pronounced steak. Now, have a listen to this sentence again. She had closed several deals with him over a medium-rare sirloin steak and a bottle of Ribera del Duero. If you were in a restaurant in New York and a waiter asks you, how would you like your steak cooked? What would you say? What adjective would you use to describe your perfectly cooked steak? Well, from my experience eating steaks at different restaurants around the world, I think that there is both a linguistic and a cultural issue here. So let's start off with the linguistic issue. There are four popular ways for a steak to be cooked. Well done, medium, rare, and blue. You could also add medium rare and medium well done to that list. So let's define each of these basic terms. According to Gordon Ramsay, the celebrity chef who appears on the program MasterChef USA, a well-done steak is grilled on the outside, put in the oven to cook through to 75 degrees centigrade, but it must remain moist and juicy on the inside. It has a greyish-brown colour throughout, with no sign of pink, and it is an extremely difficult steak to cook well, because it's easy to overcook it, so that it ends up dry and slightly chewy. A medium-cooked steak has a pink band in the centre, and a core temperature of around 60 degrees centigrade. A rare steak does not mean raw. It means a centre that is ruby red and slightly above body temperature at the core, around 50 degrees centigrade, with a seared dark outer layer. And then there is the blue steak, or the very, very rare steak. 
In this case, you cook cold meat under a very high temperature for a very short period of time, around one minute, just long enough to lightly sear the outside. And on the inside, it's going to look raw. So those are the English definitions of well done, medium, rare, and blue. Now, from my experience of eating steaks around the world, I would say that Northern Europeans generally like their steaks cooked longer than Southern Europeans. For example, when my wife Marina, who is Spanish, orders a rare steak at a restaurant in London, nine times out of ten she will complain that it's overcooked. Likewise, when I order a medium steak from a restaurant in Madrid, nine times out of ten I will complain to Marina that it's not cooked enough. So you need to factor in the different interpretations of these definitions when you are eating steak in different countries. Are you getting hungry? Is your mouth watering? Probably not if you're a vegetarian. So let's move on to the next grammar point. Let's talk about frequency adverbs and frequency expressions. Have a listen to this sentence again. From time to time, they joined in the debates of the others, but most of the time they were in their own little bubble, having a lunch within a lunch. From time to time, it is a frequency expression and it means that you do something occasionally. You probably do something about 10% of the time. From time to time, once in a while. So let's look at some basic frequency adverbs in more detail. I'm going to give you a percentage and you're going to tell me the frequency adverb. So for example, if I say 100%, if you do something 100% of the time, what's the frequency adverb? It's going to be always. Like I always brush my teeth. Okay, you ready? 75%. What's the frequency adverb if you do something 75% of the time? It's going to be usually. I am usually the first person to arrive. Okay, what about 50% of the time? The frequency adverb here is often. I often go to the gym. You could also use the expression, I go to the gym every other day. What about 25% of the time? What's the frequency adverb? Sometimes. I sometimes wear a hat. How about 10% of the time? 10% of the time, well, we've just mentioned that a little bit earlier. Occasionally. We occasionally fly business class. And the frequency expressions associated that with that would be once in a while or from time to time. Okay, what about 2% of the time? 2% of the time is going to be rarely, 
or seldom. So, for example, I am rarely late for a meeting. And then finally, 0% of the time. Well, this, of course, is never. They never forget to call. So there you go. From 100% to 0%, we have always, usually, often, sometimes, occasionally, rarely, and finally, never. Now, other frequency adverbs that we would use in a more specific situation would be the following. If you do something every day, it is daily. If you do something every week, it is weekly. If you do something every three months, it is It is quarterly. Quarterly. And if you do something every year, it is... Well, you could say yearly, but in business situations, it's much more common to use the frequency adverb annually. And these last two, quarterly and annually, are very common and significant adverbs in business English. We talk about the quarterly results. We talk about the annual report. These are extremely important financial statements, particularly for public companies. Okay, let's move on to numbers. We talk a lot about numbers in this podcast because it's important that you get the grammar and the pronunciation of your numbers correct. Otherwise, when you're making a presentation and you are explaining data and results to your audience, you may lose credibility and people may not trust your conclusions if they don't trust your numbers because you get the grammar and the pronunciation wrong. So let's practice, in this case, ordinal numbers. Have a listen to this sentence again. As they rode the elevator down from the fifth floor, he gently took hold of her hand. He guided it to the emergency stop button, and then he let it hover there. Okay, complete this sequence of ordinal numbers. Are you ready? Here we go. 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th. What comes next? The next number in this sequence, the next ordinal number in this sequence, is 20th. 20th. Three syllables. A lot of people mispronounce that ordinal number. Okay, what comes after 20th? Well, it's not 21th. It is, of course, 21st. Don't fall into that little trap. Okay, finally, complete this sequence of ordinal numbers. 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. What comes next? 25th, not 25th. It's quite amazing how many people mispronounce that ordinal number. 25th, not 25th. And these little details are very important 
because we use ordinal numbers very frequently when we are doing business. For example, you may agree to meet on Monday the 21st of May. And you may agree to meet at the conference room on the 25th floor. So make sure that you are confident with the pronunciation of your ordinal numbers. Okay, finally today we are going to review two simple expressions. Here is the first one. Their lips touched and for the first time in months, Lola was living in the moment, blissfully unaware of anything other than the sweet sensation of Mr. Red Bull's kiss. To be in the moment, that is to be fully focused or mentally involved in what one is doing. It is a great place to be. When you are in the moment, you lose all self-consciousness. You forget about everything else that's happening in the world. And you are fully involved in what you are doing and who you are with. You are living in the present, which is where your yoga master and your mindfulness instructor would want you to be. When was the last time you felt like you were really living in the moment. Okay, here's the second expression. With him went Lola's plans of closing a deal with Banco Cantabrico and proving herself to her new colleagues at JBlock. Closing a deal. That is to bring a negotiation to an end by reaching an agreement. This is also a great place to be because it means that the deal is done. Both sides are happy with the terms and the conditions. A service or product is provided and money will be paid. It's exactly where your sales manager would want you to be. Have you closed any important deals recently? And with that question, we come to the end of today's session. Remember, if you want to learn English in a more structured format, you can join Club Grattan for live and interactive classes with me. Just search Club Grattan in Google and you will find us. And we hope that you can join us for the next episode of The Adventures of Lola Badiola. In the meantime, keep practicing English and make sure you do not overcook your steak. <laughs>